Welcome to Metro 30, the Metro Monthly's weekly conversation with the community. Hello and welcome to Metro 30. I'm your host, Mark Paco. Today we have Frank Okabovi in the studio. Frank's family owns Jimmy's Italian Specialties on Belmont Avenue in Liberty. Frank is going to talk about the history of the store and how it developed. Welcome to the show, Frank. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. How many children are in your family? Well, there's uh, four of us. Uh, there, I have an older sister, Mary Lou, and I have an older brother, which is our baker. Um, I take care of the store, and my younger brother, Jimmy, takes care of the finances of our store. I don't know if people know too much about your family. What, your father, is he originally from Italy? Yes, both of my parents actually were born in Italy, and they both came in the uh, early 70s to the States. And what's the story on that? Like, when, uh, which region of Italy are they from, and what brought them to, to the United States? Well, uh, what happened was uh, they're from Caserta, which is uh, near the Naples area, and uh, father actually came... He actually went to Montreal first, which they always say Canada is like the gateway to the America. Um, but uh, he went to Montreal. That's actually where he learned his craft of uh, baking, paste, you know, doing pastries and such like that. And uh, my mother came over in 71, and she came over because of uh, my grandfather needed work, and they came over just like everyone else for the steel mills. Your mom and dad know each other before they came to the United States? Did they come separately, or did they were they married at that point? No, they came separately. When when they were here, they came separately. They met here, actually, in Schenectady, New York. Uh, they were family friends, knew each other, and they knew of these two people, and they were introduced to each other in Schenectady, New York. So they actually never met each other, even though they lived about 15 minutes apart from each other in Italy. They met here in the States. As far as your father goes, did he was he a baker first, or did he work in the steel industries? Well, like I said, he went to Montreal first, and that's where he learned to bake. So he learned breads and pastries. And then when he when my parents met, that's when he moved to the States in 71, 72, and uh, he had no choice at that time but to work at the still mills. He actually was a chipper at Valley Mold in uh, Hubbard, and that was that was his job for, I think, about a year, year and a half before he kind of realized that he needed to go on his own and create his own craft that he loved to do. Now... We're talking, what year is that when he decided to create what was maybe not called Jimmy's, but the the company? What, was the company named Jimmy's, or did he, was it named something else? It was named something else. They actually opened up their business in 1974, and it was called uh, the Italian Gift Shop. So uh, what they, it was actually not even <laughs> food-related at first, but um, he was bringing in my my dad was bringing in Italian magazines or like soap operas like weekly periodicals music at, you know like eight tracks at the time and 
you know, records, stuff like that, that people couldn't find anywhere else. He also brought in Capo di Monte, which is an Italian ceramic, and he would be sell he would sell all that. Uh, he brought in bowls, you know, Italian bowls, and that's how he started as a gift shop. Um, you know, and then one, you know, he was baking one day for the family, and he, you know, a customer came up, smelled the bread, wanted to buy a loaf of bread, so he sold a loaf of bread and said, you know what, maybe I should start making a couple loaves here and there. So he did, and he started making more. And in 1983, we he, they moved into our Belmont location in the Colonial Plaza next to Kravitz Deli. Um, and from there, they added a full, you know, bakery, cookies, pastries. And then they uh, went on to add deli. And from there, the, the rest is history until we get to today. But, yeah, the early days were rough. You know, it, it's rough when you're a small family business. And at the time, they had small three, you know, three small children. And uh, so it was it was rough. So my dad not only had his own business, he also had to do things on the side. So he was not only selling out of his own retail business from 70 to 83. During that time, he also was selling wholesale. So he would drive. He had a truck. He would drive to New Jersey, fill up his truck with merchandise, bowls, music, you know, et cetera, and on his way back, drive through the state of New York, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and he would sell to Italian specialty stores along the way on his way home until his truck was empty. So he was a very busy man to get to the point where he is today. And so while he was doing this, there were young children at home. So he was doing this solo. He was making these trips uh, was he doing it? Was was it another family member, like an uncle or anyone, helping him, or was he doing this solo? Well, uh, my grandfather was helping him also, um, but uh, most of the time he was doing it solo. But he definitely did have the help of my grandfather. I was born in 1982, so all of this I I wasn't privy to. This is just what I've learned from you know what had happened. But once I was born. I don't want to say that the store on Belmont started taking off, but it was, you know, they started doing better. You know, they started bringing in more of a crowd. So what happened after that, um, once my sister started getting a little more involved in the business in the late eighties, early nineties, when she was in high school, she started taking over the business more and more. And, um, she brought it to a little bit of a different level to where we started making sandwiches. You know, we had just a couple sandwiches on our menu, not even a menu, just people knew that they could come in. You know, it was a uh -huh. deli. Yeah, you, do you want a sandwich? Yeah, we can make you a sandwich. You probably were like those fast food restaurants that had like a secret menu that <laughs> nobody knew about. Yeah, actually, we still have a secret menu. Right now we have an extensive menu, but we actually still have a, like old sandwiches that people remember from years past that, you know, like we've introduced, but then we take off the menu because there's just so much, you know, there's only so much you can put on the menu without it being too overwhelming. But, um, but yeah, that's how it kind of started off, you know, and now when I kind of took over, 
um, when I graduated high school in 2000, we, I kind of took the business into a little different direction. So uh, we were still on the, in the Colonial Plaza at the time, but I wanted to do a little bit more with the food. So we started making daily soups. Uh, we started making pizza by the slice. Uh, we added a little dining area. I don't even want to say a dining room. We was kind of just a little <laughs> little area that we put tables and chairs in for, for a little while just to have a spot for people to sit. But then we started uh, generating a really good lunch crowd. So, you know, I, I was taking my cues from that and saying, okay, this is the direction we need to go. And then, you know, weeding things out of the store that my parents were kind of hesitant to weed out because, oh, well, we need to have, you know, certain items in the store. You know, so when we decided that there was no more growth where we were, that we couldn't go in the direction we wanted to in the plaza, we decided it was time to go on our own and we bought our own building across the street. It's the old Ponderosa building on Belmont Avenue. From there, we really made the the dream that we all had come true. Like we we made the store and the deli, the bakery stronger. We were able to make our lunch business what we knew it could be. But at first, it was it was very difficult at first in our new building because even just just the transition moving, it was difficult because you know you don't know what your customers that have been supporting you for all these years what are they going to think? Are they not going to like what we've done? You know, so we had to keep not only introduce new things to our store, new aspects, but we also had to keep the old feel. So what I actually did was I didn't want our store to seem new when people walked in. So <laughs> we were able to move in into our new building probably a month before we actually opened. But I made them move the bakery where they bake a month before. I wanted them to bake in our store for one month before we actually moved because I did not want people walking in and smelling fresh paint. That was actually very smart to to do that because it provides a linkage between the new and the old and it also the sense of you know things baking is really evocative of what you've all been about. I also wanted to ask you about Jimmy's his bread and his rolls, because that's really, I think, what a lot of people are really familiar with and really love. When he learned to bake, was he learning the the types of things that were baked in the part of Italy that he was from, or were they things that he was taught by maybe as an apprentice? Uh, like, what is the basis for the breads that he makes? Was it Was it a regional thing that he grew up with or did he uh learn from somebody else and that's just like a general italian uh baked good well it, it's definitely regional from where uh we come from if you if you go to the city where my dad was uh born alifa italy uh it's a very small town but uh and eat the bread there it's very similar to what we call our old-fashioned bread we have our old-fashioned bread that we have um, the bread there, when I go there, it's amazing. It's just like, wow, this is like, we have Italy here. We have it in our backyards. We have it in our homes with our bread. And you don't realize that until 
you actually go somewhere and you you taste it. You know, and there's so many different types of regional breads from all over the world. You know, but um, you don't realize it until you've had it. So I definitely feel that he brought that craft with him, even though he learned his craft of baking in Montreal, which uh, the part of Montreal he went, uh, the these that part of the city was a large group of immigrants from his city, Alifa, in Italy. So that's probably why he brought that with him. And I'm very thankful every day that we have his his bread here yeah. in the States. Now, I'm not asking for the recipe, but could you explain for people that might not be familiar, what are the characteristics of, of the rustic breads that he makes and the rolls? Okay, so... Our breads, um, they're going to be a, a heartier bread. Uh, they're going to be nice, crusty. It, it has a nice crust, and inside it's soft yet firm. It doesn't um, have that squishiness to it where it's, like, too spongy to where, you know, it's going to break apart on you. It's something that where you could actually just pull it apart and enjoy it you could dip it in oil i I mean that's one of my favorite things you you know just a loaf of bread and just dunk dip it in a nice beautiful extra virgin olive oil but that's our bread is meant to be enjoyed it's not meant to be a side piece it could be used as its own meal now you mentioned earlier that when your dad was first starting out, that one of the things that he did do is he had a wholesale business. Is that something that you still do? You still have wholesale customers for your breads in different restaurants or maybe some other stores? Is that is that accurate? Uh, we 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 still do wholesale. Yes, it's very it's on a smaller scale, and that was another decision that I had made um, when I took over was to kind of uh, slow the wholesale business down and concentrate on our own retail uh, business to make us succeed more, to go more into the future, to have everybody's minds in the same spot. Um, So as we do have some restaurants that we still supply, it's very limited and it's not anything that we um, go out and sell. But if anybody approaches us, you know, we we don't turn any, anybody down. But, yeah, it is something that we still do on a very small scale. Uh-huh. You know, one thing I, I wanted to go back to the growth of the store, though, too, because uh, I see that, you know, Jimmy's is always improving or expanding what it has. And, and the store has been diversified, but it's always within the framework of, you know, Italian specialties. When you decided to grow the other parts of the store, like the deli and the uh, and the other sections, you know, of the mark of the store that people are familiar with, uh, how did you decide how it would grow? Like as far as what you were offering, is it is it reflecting the entire scope of what people are familiar with as far as Italian foods go, or, or are you featuring specific regions when you when you decided to expand it? So when we expand our store, um, now that we're talking expansion, it's more of products and services that we're offering. Um, I definitely go 100% on what 
feedback I get from our customers. And not only feedback of like verbal feedback, like, hey, uh, you know, hey, Frankie, I'm looking for this or um, I have a good idea for you to do this. I take everything people tell me and I and I, I keep that in the back of my mind and I revisit everything people tell me. But not only uh, that, I also take what they are not doing. So if we are offering a product or a service and people are not utilizing it, it's obviously not needed. So we have to get rid of it. So I quickly, I have like a three, I have a three to six month rule. For instance, a product, if product A is sitting on the shelf and I don't sell half of what I ordered within three months, I take it off the shelf. It's gone. I need something else there that's going to sell. Um, if I have a service that we, it's a new service, I give it at least six months. So, for instance, we have a, a create-your-own-salad bar. That took off very well for us. We tried doing a create-your-own-pasta bar at one point, and within six months, it kind of did okay. It had its ups and downs, but not enough for me to keep it, so we got rid of it. It is something that we're probably going to be reintroducing into the store, but those are two aspects. I'm kind of, you know, like physical products and services that we're offering people. I go 100% off of customer feedback, whether they realize it or not, whether they're telling me or whether they're not taking advantage of what we're giving them. So what you're saying is that if I really like something, I should come there all the time and buy it or <laughs> to help <laughs> there? Well, I'm not looking for – see, that's the thing. I'm glad you brought that up. So, like, let's say I have product A sitting on the shelf, and you're the only one buying it. And so I get this all the time. I have a product. I bring it in, and it, it to me, I say, oh, it died, so I have to take it off the shelf. Well, I might have one or two people buying it on a regular basis, maybe once a month. Maybe once every two months, you know, they'll come and buy one or two of product A. And so it's hard to get rid of that product. And that's the issue my parents had, I think, because you don't want to see somebody disappointed. So they they kept the products on the shelves just to make that one or two people happy. And, and I know you have to make everybody happy, but at the same time, everybody has to understand that I can't keep this three-foot shelf here just for it's it's not you know it comes down to being profitable profitable so um, unfortunately yeah so <laughs> unless you come not only do you have to come and buy that product you also have to tell all your friends to come and buy that product for me to keep it on the shelf <laughs> uh, well it, it seems like you're doing a tightrope walk too because you're keeping a constant eye on all these products but you also don't want to lose what the store is either. So you're you have to balance new things with you know the the character of the store too. Is 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 that always something that's in the back of your mind? Um a hundred percent all the time. So I'm always 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 and I hear this every single day at my store. People walk in and they say, Oh Frankie, where's the 
where where's this? Where did you put this product? Uh, you know, I buy it all the time. I say, oh, it's right over here now. So I'm I'm constantly moving things. I'm constantly changing the appearance of the store. And that's one of the old grocer tricks also, you know, like make them look for it because they'll see something else along the way, right? So I do that, but I do it also in the mindset of introducing new products, not only new to the customer because it was sitting in aisle one before and now it's in aisle two, but also bringing in new products that maybe they've never seen before. So I have suppliers that come to me all the time and they love me. I'm probably one of their favorite customers because if they have a new product, I always say, yes, I'll try it because I don't know if it's going to sell or not. So I put it on the shelf and I give it that three months and I'll see if it sells or not. But um, it's always a battle of, you know, what if. So I kind of try to make it a, not a battle. I kind of make it a kind of a little game like, okay, let's put it out. If not, you know, like we're fortunate we sell gift baskets. So if a product doesn't sell on our shelves, we could throw it in a gift basket and, you know, it's it's sold. I, I wanted to move on to uh, some of the things you have in your deli. Let, let's let's look at the meats, the cheeses, and and the specialty items like the, the olives and maybe some of the cured products. Uh, okay. Tell us a little bit about, let's start with the olives. Like, I, I, there's a, a number of olives there. I'm not Italian, and I don't really know, like, the differences. So could you, could you go a little bit through some of them? Maybe, you know, not, not exhaustively, but just give us a little bit of a, a taste of what you have there in, in the olives. Okay. So we, we try to offer a nice range of olives from olives just in brine and olive salads. So olives just in brine are obviously that. Um, they're just in the brine that they're cured in. And then there's olive salads, which which are mixed with olive oil and spices, depending on the type of olive they're mixed differently. But um, so, we, you know, we have olives, regional olives, probably our most popular olive that we sell are from Sicily. They're called the Costa Voltrana. They're a very bright, uh, vibrant green color. And they're, they taste, and everybody tends to like these olives because most people don't like green olives. But the people that like the black olives that come pitted in the cans, people love those. They love these olives. They taste like those olives because they're, like I said, they're crisp and they're fresh tasting. Um, those those will probably be one of the number one sellers in our store as far as olives. But uh, you know, like an olive salad, I I love. You know, there's our uh, Jimmy's mix, we call it, has our the green olives, the black Greek olives, and the oil cured olives. Now the oil cured olives are on their own. They are very popular. People actually like to bake them. They'll put them on a cookie sheet and bake them, and then so oil cured olives are like the real wrinkly olives. They're black, and people bake them and they will plump up again. I've done it a couple times, and they do give it a nice. They give it a different flavor, but, you know, olives are, they're hit or miss, but I feel that you can't have any event that's just me talking. You can't have <laughs> any gathering without cheese, some meat, and some olives. It's a uh, given. Uh, now, let's move on to the meats and the cheeses, because you have, you know, some specialty cheeses and some specialty meats. What's the most, like, what's the most 
either unusual or the most special uh, varieties of meats and cheeses that you have? So we we try to bring in um, a different variety of meats and cheeses. Now we obviously have our staples uh, like the Parma prosciutto, which is a dry cured ham. It's probably our most popular meat that we sell. Um, We actually, (laughs) on Christmas Eve, for two days, the day of Christmas Eve and the day before Christmas Eve, there's a separate line in our deli just for people that want prosciutto di Parma because we are one of the few places that actually brings in the true prosciutto di Parma, not a Parma brand or Parma style prosciutto. So we actually have a separate line just for that meat because uh, it's so popular. And um, But that, uh, we bring in the sharp provolone cheese from Italy, the Arecchio. That's a more unique sharp provolone experience. It's sharp and uh, nutty flavor, has a little sweetness to it. It's very good. When people are making dinner at home and they're making a pasta, what do you have at the store that could complement what they're doing or at least be essential to what they're doing? We carry many products in our store to help anybody complete their meal from start to finish. We have um, we bring in authentic Italian spices, like so you'll be able to find the Italian oregano. Um, you'll be able to find, you know, from so from starting your t- uh, sauce, you know, we have the true authentic DOP San Marzano tomatoes, and you can season it with the Italian oregano. You know, you could make it an authentic dish um, from start to finish. Like so, we, we, you can make your pasta. We have pasta from Italy. We make our own homemade pasta in-house. And also, you could go all the way through dessert with your meal. When you talked about the things you have at the store and where where you move stuff around, you know, so people will find other things, one thing that I haven't seen change is that those beautiful cakes are always the first thing you see when you come in. Uh, is that intentional? Well, uh, we kind of, we go for the wow factor. Um, we do that not only with our pastries, but yeah, as soon as you walk into our store, boom, there's a, a six-foot pastry case filled to the brim with cannoli and tiramisu and slices of cheesecake and cream puff, all kinds of goodies, because yeah, we want you, we want you to go wow as soon as you walk in. And, you know, that journey continues as you walk through the store. But, um, yeah, it's it's intentional. That's something, and you're right, that's never changed. and it probably, That's probably something that never will change. We'll probably keep that right where it's at. Now, as, as far as looking to the future in the next year, are there things that you want to do that you might be planning right now that you could tell our listeners about? Uh, we are always planning on what's next. So, uh, yeah, right now we definitely have um, a new direction that we're going to be gearing the store to. And, um, you know, I don't want to give out too much, but, yeah, within the next year, you'll, um, and I I could say that every year, actually. I could always say within the next year you're going to see significant changes at Jimmy's because, like I said, we're always changing and updating. 
Um, we've never stopped investing in ourselves. People could walk in and they'll see new deli cases, new bakery cases. Almost every two to three years, we are updating and keeping things fresh. So, okay. Well, I mean, it's it's evident when you go into the store. I mean, it's, like you said earlier in the conversation, there's there are a lot of things that are familiar, but you also see new things, and I think that that addresses, you know, different types of customers, and um, and it's smart to do that too because. If you're familiar, you're going to keep people, but if you're introducing new things, people will want to see what you're you're doing next. So, you know, that that dual that almost that two-pronged approach is is really pretty smart to do. Yeah, and it it's difficult to do. It really is because, you know, like I said going back to my parents, if it were up to my parents, we'd probably still they'd probably still be in the garage on West Federal Street where they started. So, but uh, I think uh, uh, with the push of us kids moving them and them realizing that, you know, we want to do this also, you know, they've realized, okay, let them do what they need to do. And we brought them into the future. And Well, it's also interesting, too, that your parents were receptive to doing things differently. So, you know, you have to give them their props for that because a lot of people just want to do the same thing. And, and they were willing to expand and to grow and to try new things and that's really a testament to you know who they are oh yeah oh yeah without my parents uh behind us or i should say without us behind my parents because they're still leading us you know they're definitely still very much part of the business and they're leading us through these next years coming up ahead and we can't wait to see where we go from here Metro 30 is produced in collaboration with the Youngstown Radio Reading Service. Visit metromonthly.net for news, features, and the Valley's most complete calendar of events.